interview you're about to hear was originally recorded for the Track Sec podcast. You can find out more about the Track Sec podcast at www.tracksec.com. Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the Track Sec technical segment. Um, we've just had the Pete Wood interview, which, uh, as, as you guys know, it was the one that stayed on all the way through. Uh, very, very good interview, and once again, I'd like to thank Pete Wood for coming onto the line. Uh, fantastic of him. What we wanted to do was talk to you guys today about, you know, kind of like an issue that's close to our heart, which is, you know, certainly for half of the the hosts on the show have been involved in hacking degrees, and um, for the other half, well, for Chris, you've done professional qualifications. So kind of today what we wanted to do was talk about roots of getting into ethical hacking and penetration testing and although it's not like aimed to be a definitive guide it's really just kind of a discussion on roots that are available um, and, and what choices are for people. Um, I mean in the UK a number of universities now are offering uh, a host of degrees that aim to produce graduates with the skills required to be like effective ethical hackers and penetration testers. Um and I mean, like I said, that we we've got a list of a couple of universities in the UK that are offering um, hacking degrees. Um, this is not a definitive list, and it's always worth you having a check about. But there's obviously Aberdeen University in Dundee, there's which which I was at uh, Northumbria, um, which uh, Tom was at, and Ryan Dewhurst from uh, Down Vulnerable Web Apps at uh, the Sunderland, Leeds, Met, and Coventry. Uh, now I have to be honest with with people on this call. I've, I I don't know anything about the Sunderland or the Leeds map, the Coventry one. Um, so what we're going to quickly do is just run across a couple, run across a couple of the uh, professional qualifications that are out there, and then just kind of get into a debate about you know the things that you can learn and and the best ways of getting into it. Um, and like I say, I mean I've, I've got to declare a bit of a an interest in here, I sit a little bit on the fence. Um, for most parts, I'm self-taught, but I've, like I say, I've formally received um, a, a university education for ethical hacking. Um, although I didn't, uh, although I didn't do my fourth year, I, I, I did three years. Uh, I do equate a lot of what I'm able to do now from a time at university. Um, however, being self-taught before I got to university made it an awful lot easier um, so uh, that aside I suppose we should really start off with asking the other hosts what, what their views are about hacking degrees and, and see if me and Tom can kind of answer some questions between us um, we've got on the tech segment today Robert Ladyman wasn't able to join us but it is Chris John Riley and Tom um, Chris what are your views on ethical hacking degrees um, well, I mean, it's something that I've talked previously with uh, with Ryan, who was with us on episode one, um, regarding the university degrees. Um, I've always seen security um, qualifications as more of something you 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 kind of grow into. It's not something that I think people can come out of school, age of sixteen, and go, "I want to work in security," and go off to university and learn that for five, you know, four or five years, and then come out going, "Wow, I know everything about security." Um, a lot of people, or at least most of the people who who I know in the industry, didn't use that method of getting in 
you know, getting into ethical hacking or working in security, they, they moved through uh, network support, server support, desktop support, um, or coming from the other direction in, you know, from development and then kind of gradually moved more towards security because it's what they wanted to do or um, or they got to that point in their career where it was, I've done this for so long, I want to do something new and security was that something new for them. Um, so, I mean, I've always seen the, the university degrees as um, the university's kind of jumping on the bandwagon saying, yeah, yeah, sure, we can do that too. Um, you know, get in, get in an instructor who knows something about security um, and then they spend two years learning every aspect of security and at the end of it, they're suddenly meant to know just as much as someone who's been in the industry for 10 years. Um, I kind of find that hard to understand um, and not having gone through that university process myself, the question I have is how deep is that knowledge? Um, are Are we creating through these university classes, the CISSP of ethical hackers, uh, you know, the, 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 an ethical hacker who has a, a broad knowledge, but very, very thin. You know, if you, you know, if you speak to someone who comes from a university who does ethical hacking and say, what do you know about VoIP? Um, what do you know about VoIP security? They could probably discuss that with you for a couple of minutes. But then if you ask them, well, how does, what does the protocol look like? You know, do they do they know to that level of 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 depth really what things look like at a protocol layer, which is what I, mean, I personally think is is required. Well, I mean, the the question that I would ask at that point, just you know, would you expect um, would you expect a, a professionally certified penetration tester or ethical hacker to have that same degree of knowledge as well? I mean, you've gone through some of the the professional. Um, certifications that certainly that the HR departments look at and let's pick on the uh, certified ethical hacker would you expect someone who's done that course to to, to be able to explain to you a, a VoIP data packet um, with CEH it's kind of different I mean people know what my impressions are of CEH you know, I've written about it previously <laughs> I'm, I'm, and, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah I mean I'm picking on you slightly but I think you get my point that, that yeah you know, no I understand what you mean but that as with everything, with professional qualifications, um, you know, CEH is what it is. It's a week-long course where you learn about hacking. You know, you, you couldn't you couldn't learn everything you need to know in a week. You know, it, it's it, with quite a lot of other things as well. Is a lot of the professional qualifications they have to be very focused on specific areas. You get two types of professional qualifications. You either get things like the CEH, the Security Plus, um, things like the CISSP, which which tend to be very very broad. But very unspecific in their information. You know, you'll, you'll spend uh, an hour discussing VoIP because you need to know the basics of it and you need to know what the security issues are. But very, very light. You probably won't do any any hands-on stuff with it because the equipment's not available or the you know lab's not set up for it. But you'll talk about it for half an hour to an hour. Um, maybe you'll look at you know one or one or two tools that you could use to test the security of it, and then straight on to the next topic. And then on the other side of it, you've got people who, um, you know, people like the SANS Institute, um, who I've, I've done a number of courses with, um, who take it from the other, the other point of view where they say, well, look, people need to know everything about this topic and specifically t talking about VoIP. They now have a six-day VoIP security class where you go in on day one and they take it from the point of view of you know nothing about VoIP at all. You know, they take you through the pros and cons, why it's, why it's become so prevalent. Um, they take you through the, the, the issues that it causes, um, the environment that it needs to be set up in, whether you're using VLANs, what the, the 
supporting infrastructure is, how you know what the packets look like, what SIP is, what uh, what uh, what RTP is, um, what the Cisco Skinny protocol looks like. You know how these things can be exploited, how these things can be secured. But SANS do that in a very very specific way, and in six days you spend a lot of time looking at their technology. But but even after six days, you're not going to walk out as an expert. You know, I've always thought of security as more of something that you, if you go on one of these classes, when you come back, you need to really want to build on that. You need to really want to go further and look more in depth and, and really kind of learn more for yourself. Because if you're just expecting any class to teach you everything you need to know, then you're not going to spend long in this industry. So why do we, in this case, expect graduates that have done three years uh, at university doing uh, just as a way to broad of subjects as well to be up to a certain level i mean i i i personally i mean this is not a criticism of the hacking courses but i think it's unrealistic for us to expect graduates to be anything other than entry level in security i don't think that the, i don't think that the th- in scotland it's a four-year course because they do honors uh and then and then in england it's a three-year course isn't it tom yeah that's right i mean we do have a um Third years a place years, and if you have that, where you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're only doing three years of study. Yeah, three years of studying. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's no. I mean, anyone that follows us on Twitter will know that I asked the, the question about what what professional qualifications people think takes to be the 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 bare minimum someone needs to to get to get into ethical hacking. Um, and, and I got a, a mixed results back, but very few of them actually indicated any qualifications. A lot of people said that being self-taught, being passionate, being all, you know, uh, expecting hacking not to be a nine-to-five job, being fully committed to it, um, that was a prerequisite. Um, I mean, I'm, I've been self-taught for a lot of the stuff that I've learned, um, and I think it's a key asset that any ethical hacker or penetration tester needs. Um I mean, Tom, what are your views on the ethics? I mean, you're on an ethical hacking degree course now. Um, what What are your views on that, the hacking course? Um, I think the course in itself is it's all right. Um, I do find that most of what I learn is from what I've self-taught myself or what I read you know, from Twitter or from articles on the Internet. I think it's fair to say what I'm getting at university is an outline of knowledge. I think what I'm learning is more the ethics, especially in my first semester. It was all ethics before they could talk to us about anything else. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure we're not going to be shown anything that's going to be, you know, that's going to blow my mind too much. But something that really, but something that really is, it's not. I don't suppose getting on my nerves, but something that is like, that is something that I didn't expect as much as I'm doing a lot of things. I didn't really relate to hacking as much. Like at the moment, I'm doing a lot of work on um, computer architecture, so how how a processor works, storage, stuff like that. that that's something that I'm doing at the moment. It's quite difficult to get my head around why why I'm going to use that, but you know, I'm just plugging away. Um, but I think and my personal opinion is that the, the course is good but only if you're willing to build on it. If I, like a lot of people on my course at the moment, if I literally just went to the course, did the work, and then came home and did nothing, wasn't involved in any 
know, security-related stuff outside of university, I wouldn't know half as much as I know now and probably wouldn't have um, as much passion as I do for it. The This is, I mean, this is one of the big credits that I put to going to, to university and doing some formal part of ethical hacking was the place of being put in an environment that, that promotes you to be an ethical hacker. Um, most people being self-taught don't have the benefit of that environment. I went to classes with other ethical hackers and we had a lab where we, you know, we, we it was okay to be an ethical hacker. It was okay to have day-to-day people that, that I met every day that, that were doing the same things as I was. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that aspect very, very much. Um, my worry is is my worry is is that if you take someone out of that environment where they don't have class peers to help them get through um, or or to bounce ideas off or for motivation, if that because I, I think if you leave university thinking that you don't have to spend any or any qualification for that matter, professional or certified or degrees or anything like that, if you leave that qualification uh, and don't think that you have to invest any more time in learning, then you're going to be solely disappointed, certainly in, in our business. Um, so I'm ju- I just wonder if we have this nice, structured, warm learning environment that we then take these people used to that and put them into maybe a hostile, very fast-paced um, assimilation of data that they might not be so used to. Do you, I mean, do, 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 am I sounding like I'm talking rubbish there, or, or does that make sense? Uh, I do agree with you completely. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why we, you do have a placement here, is so that you can understand exactly, you know, what the industry itself is like. Um, another thing that... Another thing that um, I don't struggle with, but it's on my mind, is that obviously we're being taught all about uh, hacking and, you know, we do have the labs and stuff, but, you know, there are a few people on the course that think, you know, you think a few things about and maybe, you know, wrongly, but is it right, you know, to let 18-year-olds mess about with stuff that they maybe not understand and go home on their own, you know, networks at home, mess about with it, and then you know, suddenly it leaks out. I mean, for example, we got given a um, source code to a Trojan who was told how to compile it and stuff. And, you know, it was like, don't put this on the internet. But you know, there are going to be people on the course that I do believe are probably going to do that. Um, so, you know, there's that, there's that side of the ethics as well. Yeah, well, I mean, you're always going to get people who are going to abuse things that they learn, and that's whether you're in a university environment or you're paying for the class or you're learning online, you're doing doing things yourself in a lab and just downloading things from, from the web and, and playing around with them. There's always going to be people who are going to abuse that. So I don't think that's something that's specific to the, the university hacking courses. Um, but going back to, to what you were saying. Oh, well. Who's more dangerous, a chemist or a hacker? Do you know what I mean? Who can do more damage? I mean, it's irrelevant at the end of the day. I mean, I would, a rogue chemist can be just as dangerous as a hacker. I suppose the damage a hacker can do is date, or a damage a rogue chemist can do is kill someone. But, you know. But back to what you were saying, Chris. Sorry for jumping in. Yeah, no, I mean, is, um, actually, I wanted to go back to what you were saying was, was um, about people coming out of university and. Um, 
from my point of view, the university really uh, teaches them teaches people the the theory of how things should work. Um, the problem um, that I, I know I've fallen into, and I'm sure many other people have, is if you read a book about hacking, it doesn't mean you know how to hack. You know, if you read a book about hacking and you understand how everything functions, and you 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 seem quite a lot of time to get it into your head, like, yeah, I can do that, that's not a problem. But the first time you're actually faced with actually having to do it, it's a very different thing. You know, reading about it, understanding it, and knowing what tools do what, knowing uh, how to dissect uh, packets in a certain way so you can gain information about a remote system or uh, fragment packets to, to evade IDSs. If you understand how it works, that's the first hurdle. But then when you actually have to sit there and do it, that's that's a whole different thing, and it's it takes a different skill set to be able to translate that from from understanding and reading to actually being able to do it. And there are people who who can't translate that from one to the other. You know, quite lucky uh, in the sense that some of the some of the people on the course are just as passionate as me. You know, to be with security, and um, we do once probably once every week now we do get together and we've got. Um, we actually set up our own lab. We've got uh, one of the guys on our course who's really into his servers. He's got about five or six different servers that he's bought and built. So uh, what we do is we get together, you know, put a few operating systems on there, mess about with, you know, some exploits that we've heard about and, you know, some things that we've seen on Twitter or on uh, in the news and that. And um, we have a look at it. And obviously that, like what you're saying there, Chris, it's about, you know, learning as well as just reading. And that, that is probably one of the biggest things to do with the course that, you know, probably the biggest thing is that it's, it's an ethical hacking course, but it's the ethical hacking theory and it's the ethical hacking ethics. It isn't, you know, when, what we're not learning is, you know, all this stuff. I mean, all this stuff that you're saying you would expect professionals to know. Like I said, you know, like you're trying to argue something that I don't know. So I think, I think, the, I think the, the biggest thing here is that yeah, it might be good, you know, gets you socialising, I suppose, university, and but you are learning. You, know, you are learning. The other thing that, but, that it, you know, it's probably worth me pointing out as well, Chris, is that, that certainly in my experience, there is a lot of hands-on practical stuff going on in, in ethical, you know, we have an ethical hacking, you know, there is an ethical hacking lab that's for ethical hacking students to go into at any time. They have lectures and they have lab time performing that now okay maybe not state-of-the-heart hacks but i don't think for you to to start understanding certain hacks it needs to be the latest and greatest some of the oldest ones are probably the the best at understanding principles um but i think any ethical hacking student needs to be in my opinion of okay with using virtualized technologies so that can virtualize operating systems and practice practice and practice in my opinion yeah, do you know yeah. what i mean but it's not like it's not like an ethical hacker goes to university and they spend 15 hours a week in theory talks about ethical hacking. It's it, it's not as it's not as cut and dry as that. You know, there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of practical stuff involved in it. And, and for me, I mean, my criticisms, and I always made them known when I was at university, was there was a lot of ancillary stuff that we did that I didn't think was particularly pertinent to ethical hacking. You know, I did a module in web standards. You know, and I, I failed to, to understand, I failed to understand in any realm why that that is relative, why that should take more, that takes half a term at Abertay. 
doing web standards for three hours a week. Now, I, I think that comes oh, from yeah. universities wanting to run this kind of class, but not really knowing what they should put into it. Mm. Um, and I've seen it before. Um, I've seen it here in Austria where um, it, it becomes very much a, we need to fill this many hours. What do we yeah. fill it with? Well, I don't know. What can you teach? Instead of what should we teach, it's what can you teach? The three of us and on this call could talk infinitely about things more important that could be filled up in that time than web standards. By by, and that's just How, one. But, but you know I mean? this is, this is something I do want to touch on. The people that, that teach at universities, quite a lot. Sorry, Tom. Sorry. Uh, the people who teach at universities, quite a lot. Don't they're not always the people who are actually doing this for a living. You know, you 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 do get people who go to universities and and teach about ethical hacking who do it for a living. But you also get quite a lot of universities who simply expect someone to learn it so they can teach it. And and you I don't. Old, you know, I think it's 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 just as hard for a networking teacher. Lecturer. Yeah, the old yeah exactly. Lecturer. Yeah, it's like yeah, read a book, have, teach have, it. You know. Yeah, I mean, I have seen people. Um, no criticism here either. That that you know, maybe have been a a lecturer in a particular subject and uh, was sent off to do a five day course that maybe we referred to earlier on, and thus were qualified to lecture for second and third year old uh, third third year ethical hackers. You know, I don't think that that's it's not my place to say if that's right or wrong. But you know, you know, I'm sure listeners can take out of that what they want. I mean, you can't. I mean, I think how you teach ethical hackers, for me, I mean, I've talked about this, you know, with lecturers before, and first and foremost, what they do is they do a computer degree with a special, you know, a speciality on the top of it, and that's the reality of what ethical hacking degree is, is that in reality, it's a computing degree with a speciality in ethical hacking. Um, so, yeah, but I, I think academically, how you teach ethical hackers has to be different to how you would teach you know Keynes tech students or 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 do you know what I mean or uh, you know it's because it reliant on mindsets and stuff like that that either that or the entry requirement for them has to be different that there must be some form of aptitude test as such do you know what I mean and I'm saying that I'm, there's no guarantee that I would have got through that way either so do you know what I mean I could be cutting my own throat with that suggestion Go back to what you're saying about web standards. I prefer to have web standards. We did a module on um, we did a module on writing, how to write. Um, yeah, li literally, we got told where to put an apostrophe. And like we were saying before, we, the, the course has literally been given allocated so many hours, and they need to fill this many hours for it to be a competent course. And they thought, do that. Yeah, we'll just chuck in. Everybody on the Yeah, I mean, for me, for me, the other, <coughs> the other thing that for me, and you know, I'm sure I've been shot by class peers for saying this as well, is that I don't think there's a lot of business accrement kind of being taught either. That it's easy to get all caught up on ethical hackers should be this, this, and this, but. We did a law module when I first started, and they pulled the law module out of the ethical hacking degree. And for the, for me, I think being able to 
read and understand non-disclosure agreements, being able to to look at master service agreements and project specs, and as a professional and being able to assimilate that information and know the boundaries and the legal requirements and so on and so forth, and not just that, but how to write a business report for you know. And I know that that maybe sounds dull and boring, but for some of us, that's the face of what we have to do in business as well. Certainly, if you're certainly if you're going to be looking at subcontracting, you need to be able to hold yourself up against two or three businesses in that partnership. And I don't think, you know, if you were doing an accountancy degree, they might equate that you're going to be functioning in a in a professional business environment. I don't think the same respect is maybe given for ethical hacking, that, that you know, penetration testers have to work in professional environments. Um, and that's another concern that, that I may have. Uh, I mean, Chris, in, in your time, I mean, would you say that you've had to, to be able to deal with a vast array of customers and clients and, and have a almost be professional? I know that's a strange question to ask someone, but you, do, do you get the drift of what I'm trying to ask you? Oh yeah, I mean, I I, I mean, I've I've always said that um, it, if you can't write and communicate your findings, if you can't present your findings in a way where people um, not only understand what you're trying to say, but also respect what you're trying to say, then there is no point in doing the test at all. I mean, I, I've seen presentations that are technically perfect. Every Everything that the person has said has been 100% technical, yet they make you know, some, some key flaws. You know, that they, They're talking to management people and they're talking about packet captures, and they're talking about how this reset packet was sent, and this and that. And, and for me, that was fine, because I, I'm on a technical level. I understand what the guy's saying. I really want to hear their technical level. But he just didn't take into consideration that he's talking to three management people who are just nodding and going, I have no idea what this idiot is saying. There's, he's, he's doing the right thing, but at the wrong time. You know? And, and it's, it's very easy to do, and it's one of, something you have to learn. And if if someone doesn't come to you and say, look, you know, that was a great presentation, but you should do this and this and this, you really don't realize it because you just think, well, if he's too stupid to understand, it's his fault. Problem is, if that's a client, if they're too stupid to understand, they, they're not going to come back to you because they're, they're, they're the ones who are right. They're the client. If you, if you present at too technical level or you present at too, uh, not enough technical level, or your report is too technical, not technical enough, too long, too short, or, as you were saying, Tom, full of punctuation and spelling mistakes, some people in management will take that as uh, a bad sign. You know, If you write a report and there's punctuation and there's spelling mistakes, then even though the technical people could be very happy with your work, they're not the ones who paid the bill. The ones who paid the bill is the guy further up the chain who just wants to read the management summary. You know, and 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 they want to read just the management summary. And and quite a lot of people who I've met who do ethical hacking and and, and pen testing, they don't know how to write a management summary. You know, they they just well, I just write the technical stuff. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, at the moment, what we're actually doing, one of our projects at the minute in ethical in our ethical hacking module is we're um, working for a company um, and doing some not information gathering. It's basically like passive testing. So you know, like. Seeing how what we can do with the URL and um, if we can find you know FTP logs or whatever in the website you know if indexing is allowed stuff like that and I mean we're actually presenting that to them at the end of our like findings I think it's in April 
So the, the, the company's actually coming in and we have to you know, dress up smart and do this, um, do this big presentation for them um, to make sure, you know, that obviously we're learning all our skills in presentation as well. And next year, um, we, do a, we do a module called Consultancy, which is it, we actually team up with the business students and we do um, we get given a fake company and we get given you know all get given roles within that company to do so like one of the business students like the project manager um, where like the web builder and we have to you know make sure it's all secure and at the end we have to present it to our tutors um, as like the, the first <laughs> the first section of that I was sitting there saying that sounds absolutely awesome. And then you got kind of, we'll do different roles and, you know, we'll be the web designer. And it reminded me so much of a module uh, that I had, which was called team-based problem solving, um, which apparently was, you know, another thing that ethical hackers should have, you know, being able to, to work in multidisciplinary teams. And absolutely, I couldn't agree with, I couldn't agree any more with that. But with it being completely lack of realism, like you know, being asked to be a web developer when you're an ethical hacker. Do you know what I mean? That the, the project should relate the skill sets of the people being involved. Do you know what I mean? Um, so that was my criticism of it, but, you know, uh, who am I to judge on these things? Um, I mean, what I want to do is just run, run down kind of like a couple of the professional qualifications um, and see what people say if you know if you think that this is a good route or a good qualification to go through have a quick talk about them i mean we'll start off with we've already touched on this one before but the the ceh the certified ethical hacker um i, I haven't done it um i know chris has done it uh, i've heard chris talk about it um and did that make you bluff <laughs> i um my ear was sore for a couple of days <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think one thing we need to make perfectly clear with anything we're going to talk about here in regards to qualifications and certifications, it depends who's teaching the class. Um, I, I've I've heard a lot of people talk about CEH very badly, and I've heard a lot of people talk about CEH and say it was very very good. And it's very much dependent on what the teacher does, how a teacher runs the class, and um, what you do over and above what the CEH requires you to learn. Um, and I would just just like to say my my findings with CEH and EC Council in general were on the worst side. Um, it could well be that there's been at least one version upgrade since uh, since I took the class. Maybe they, they've brought it back into line and maybe it's it's a bit better than it was previously. But um yeah. This is this is just in reality uh, um uh, the the certified ethical hacker is just really is it not really supposed to act as kind of like a seal of approval that you have a, a base level of understanding and it's not supposed to, it's not being any more than that. It's just this person has, in our opinion, the required skill set to, to do ethical hacking. I don't think, it doesn't really do anything else than that, does it? Well, when, when I took it, so when, when I took it, it was, it was purely um, tools. You, you, you pretty much end up with, with huge volumes of books with screenshots on every tool that does every single thing. And there's very little focus on understanding what these tools actually do in the background. Um, 
and and how they really function. It's purely uh, if you want to do this, this tool does it. If you want to do that, then use this tool. Um, and and I go in completely the other, the other direction. As in my my personal opinion has always been, and I've said it before, probably on this podcast and and, and others, is that um, if you get a tool, then the first thing you should do is run Wireshark while you're running it and learn how how it really works and what it's really doing. Um, I'm one of these sad people who. If I can, if I can do it manually, with you know, using Scapey or using some other kind of uh, you know things like TCP trace route instead of Firewalk, things like that, I'd rather do it manually so that I have as much control over what I'm doing as possible. Um, and CEH goes in the direction of you don't need to know what it does; you just need to know how to get the results out. And and that's that's where I disagree with with what they do. So. Going back to what you said before, Aaron, um, about it, you know, having basic understanding and stuff, um, our ethical hacking um, program leader, he's actually want to get a certificate put in at the end of um, the end of our our course, so that not only have we got the degree, but we've also got the uh, you know the certificate as well. And um, he actually doesn't want to incorporate certified ethical hacking. Uh, he wants to try and get something else in because he says that he, he doesn't like it. Either. Yeah, so our opinions, I mean, do we think that the CEH would help anyone trying to get into ethical hacking? I imagine the CEH is probably somewhere on some HR gateway keeper for business um, somewhere, but do we think it's critical for getting into the business, you know, from what I've heard of it and from what certainly you two have said about it, probably not the most critical qualification to go out and get in your life. No, I mean, it does, it, it holds a place, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's not first on my list. Yeah, I, I think um, it's one of those qualifications you can probably do if, if you've been working in network support or, or any kind of highly technical discipline for five, six years and you want to take move from support um, or yeah. management yeah, it's really kind of a, a gateway. I want to move from this into security. Maybe I'll do a CEH so that I have something on my CV that says I now do security as well. But even then, it's you know, tentative at best. I mean, uh, then, I'd never say no to, to a qualification that was paid for me. So, you know, uh, if anybody wants to pay for it, I'd definitely do it. But it depends on how much it costs, doesn't it? I mean, what? how much do you have to pay for yours, Chris? Oh, I I I did a a lot of training altogether, and it was all bundled together. And uh, um, I, I can't remember how much it was now, but I mean, it's 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 not cheap. You know, CEH. You know, depending on where you do it, could be anything between you know, you know, fifteen hundred pounds, two thousand, two thousand five hundred. It's it's a it's not cheap. Yeah, that, that, so it's going to get you a lot. Uh, Neither is four years at university either. I mean, four years at university is not particularly cheap. (laughs) (laughs) If you invested that sort of money into your professional career, I mean, you know, if you think about what, you know, what what will you beat on? Maybe twenty thousand pounds in debt by the time you finish your qualification. If uh, Chris, if you had twenty thousand, Chris, if you had twenty thousand pounds to put into professional certification, you'd expect a fair whack for that, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, you would. Um, and there, there's actually some universities in the UK that uh, that are teaming with uh, the Sands Institute. 
Um, I, I can't remember them offhand, um, which ones they are, but they're actually doing uh, university training in the UK um, where you will learn to the SANS curriculum. And at the end of the university, you'll get a degree as well as a number of SANS certificates. That's the course That's what I mean. my institute is trying to do. <laughs> yeah, so but it's, it's, very, it's very hard. The next one that I wanted to talk about was the OSCP, uh, the Offensive Secure, Security Certified Professional. Um, it's basically done by the Offensive Security guys, um, and that's using back. That's basically kind of understanding like concepts to pen testing with backtrack, and and uh, it's 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 a totally online qualification. I, I, I think. Am I am I right, Chris? It is done online, isn't it? It's not like there's two ways where they run it. Yeah, no, they they run an actual actual class at um, events like uh, Black Hat Europe, Black Hat US. Um, and I think they're doing a few others now as well. But I mean, a couple of times a year, they, they do an actual uh, hands-on class. Um, but most of the time, this is a, a distance learning thing. You you get um, you get obviously the software backtracked free, so just just go and download it. Um, but you you'll also get videos, uh, flash videos, and PDF and and various. Um, you also get kind of access to forums and email support and things like that. So it's a very much kind of do-it-yourself, hands-off, here's the information, go away and learn that and practice yourself. Um, but at the end of it, the the exam isn't your typical standard um, multiple-choice question that most people go with. It's a 24-hour hack challenge. You have to hack a system. Um, they, they give you access through VPN to a testing system, and you have to exploit the system um, you know, download the the hashes from the box, export, you know, crack the hashes, log into the second box, you know, and basically it's. I haven't actually gone through through the exam personally, but I know some people who have, and they say it's a it's a very very realistic um, uh, test. Is basically if you come out having this qualification, then it's something you can say that this person can actually do what they say they can do. They can't just answer questions; they can really actually do it. I mean, I've 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 not done it either, but it's that's on actually on my list of things to do. I think you said the same to me prior to the call starting as well, didn't you, Chris? That that this is yeah. I mean, what what I like about it is as it's a do-it-yourself thing. I think it's um, five hundred euros. I think five hundred euros, five hundred pounds for the do-it-yourself. That's that's a third of the cost of CEH at its cheapest, and. And I personally think it's at least three times more popular. However, with that said, if you go up to uh, anyone who works for HR and say I'm OSCP, they'll look at you blankly and go, "Is that anything like a CEH?" Um, which is depressing, but you know it, it, that's more of a if you're in the industry and you've got that qualification, then, and if people know what it is, then it means something. But if you go to your your average HR, they're not going to know what it is. But for for entry level for for getting yourself ready and, and, and you know if you want looking for a career in pen, penetration testing, if you can get that that it, you know, will we agree that that's at least a beginning, probably better for someone wanting to get in, you know, with that yeah, with the HR problem, but the reality yeah, I would also happens. say from what I know the OSCP is not an entry level qualification. It, yeah, it's I mean I I've a fair bit of 
you've got to have a fair bit of experience before you start doing this. I mean, the, the prerequisite is you should know Windows, you should know Linux, you should you should be able to run standard uh, penetration testing, ethical hacking tools before you even start doing the class. Whereas other entry level stuff says you know how to use a mouse is pretty much the prerequisite. So the other one. <laughs> the other one is we we see this a lot, and this is certainly not an entry level qualification by any 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 chance here, but the CISSP, the Certified Information System Security Professional, um, which is basically like a, a, almost a, a almost like a de facto for for, for certain industries um, involved in in security. Uh, I certainly don't have one. Um, Pete with the interviewee from from this episode, he's CISSP. Um, I mean, I I really absolutely know nothing about it because it just seems such a a distant thing for for me to be able to get. That I think even if you have a do, even if you do have a, an ethical hacking degree, only you know you need to be in the business for five years to get one, and and you know even if you have a degree, it's only knocking a year off that. Um, so I'm not sure if it really should be in our list of things to talk about today, but you know. Well, you I mean, it know, should be because you can't talk about these things without talking about CISSP. I mean, if it's not really an ethical hacking degree, um, and and I would also say this isn't a technical degree. This isn't sorry, it isn't a technical qualification. This is a um, management level, uh, an overview. Um, qualification. You, you, you'll touch on a number of subjects, and, and part of that would be ethical hacking and understanding, you know, some basics about it. But, but if if you talk to a CISSP and and, and start talking about anything um, highly technical, if if he's able to to converse with you on that technical level, it's not because he's done a CISSP. The CISSP is very much access control, policy making. Um, there's ten domains, as far as I, as far as I remember, mm. um, and they're they're very kind of high level uh, overview, very very wide knowledge base, but very very thin. So you can talk about a number of things, but you couldn't talk about them in depth. Yeah, I uh, like. It. Yeah, I uh, like I say. I mean, it 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 seems that that's. When you need to be a manager, they seem to look for that in job descriptions quite a little bit. When you're you're dealing with high end, you know, when you're dealing with yeah, when companies think that that high end security and and you know it seems to be a de facto requirement for jobs there, and I can understand why. But I, as I say, I know very little about it. The next one I wanted to talk about was SANS. Um, um, I, I really like SANS. There's no two ways about it. But SANS is it, it's not a, a qualification per se. It's a, 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 a it's a, a body that gives out accreditations, and they have lots of different courses. Um, Chris, you've done some SANS as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I've been been working together with SANS for a couple of years now. So um, SANS is actually the the training body. Um, they have a uh, the certification body is called GIAC. Um, the difference between between SANS and pretty much everyone else we're going to talk about today is, is that they they focus very heavily on specific areas. You know, for example, they will have a, you know we talked about briefly before SANS will have a course six day long class that talks about VoIP security, um, whereas in most other classes CISSP, CEH, and and everything else um, 
that will be a half an hour hour segment of your training so they they take areas of uh of training and really focus very very heavily on exactly what you need to know to really test those kind of things really secure those kind of things um and they take it from both the attack and, and defense standpoints. I mean, there's penetration testing, uh, there's web application penetration testing, which they split out into a separate class. Um, but there's also uh, intrusion detection classes, incident handling classes, so you can spend six days learning about uh, uh, in, intrusion detection, how IDSs, IPSs uh, work, you know, um, and, and it kind of really, really dives into a very, very deep level. I mean, what I've really really like about the SANS classes is that the teachers are very, very good and they're very, very knowledgeable because they don't have teachers who just teach. Everyone who works for SANS does that for a living. You know, if you if you go and you learn from, from someone, for example, um, uh, John Strand from Paul.com um, does the, the training, does a lot of training for SANS. He actually does it for a living. And, and then teaches about it as well. And, and what I really like is they can actually stand there and talk about what, what, how it really works and how it really functions and what they've come across in their, in their jobs and while they've been doing these things, whereas quite a lot of other teachers are just, well, three years ago when I last actually did something other than teach, this is what I saw. I, uh, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I've, I've always loved the stuff that I see come out of SANS. Um, I've been. I'm not sure if you saw that come up on Twitter recently, but uh, I'm bound to pronounce his name wrong because it's a tradition of mine. Um, David Holizar, or he's the Sans. He does a uh, does like IT auditing stuff, but he did a webcast on creating uh, Metasploit exploit uh, exploit modules step by step, and it's absolutely fantastic. And I mean, he's a he's a a teacher over at Sans as well, and I mean he's. He, the quality of the webcast that he's done is fantastic. I'll actually link to it in the show notes or something like that. Did any of you guys see that come up on, on Twitter? No, I'll I take that as a no. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I saw it. Um, I haven't had a chance to look at it fully, but, but what really what really interested me is I, I know there's a lot of people that work for SANS that, that do a lot of exploit writing. Um, they actually have a, I think it's a five-day class purely on writing exploits and doing security research. But what interests me was this video was so well done, and it comes from someone who teaches auditing, which is auditing for me is very much in the direction of where you don't actually need to do anything technical. You just need to know which questions to ask, which systems to, to verify, um, and it's, it's very much a non-technical training and a non-technical role. He's done a, a fantastic job on this video, to be honest with you. Um, it's a very good job of a very good basic, basic crash course in you know buffer overflows and how to explain them and how the exploit uh, engine uh, the framework. Well, you know how you can get them in there and stuff like that. So it's a very interesting one. Anyone listening should definitely, you know, I, I think it's 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 actually four YouTube videos all in all or something like that. But it's. Uh, is very very good. So, is it fair to say that that you know you could look at SANS if you want to specialize in a particular subject, like you know you want to do VoIP penetration testing? Um, is SANS a pretty good starting point for that then? Yeah, I mean they do do generalistic courses as well, but the ones I'm, I'm particularly interested in the more the more specialist ones. Um, what I would say, um, there's some good points about SAMS and there's some bad points. The, the good points are um, you can do it live. They do a variety of live training offerings 
Um, you can also do uh, home training. You know, they, they do an on-demand thing where you you get videos, audio, and and the books. Um, and then there's uh, another offering that they think will V Live is the new one, where there's a live trainer doing the class, but everyone's connecting through computers. So there's a live. You do this class, you know, every every Monday night for a month, you know, for for three hours or whatever. Um, but there's actually a real live teacher there. On the bad side of it, Sands is not cheap. You know, you're looking at for for a six day class, three and a half thousand euros for a six day class. They've got what's there. Um, they've got. If they've got this, am I right in thinking they've got this? Not entry level, but this kind of uh, blanket sort of. This is a web application and penetration uh, course that they do as well, isn't it? Is that? Am I thinking of the wrong yeah. people? No, no. They they have a they have a, a web application penetration test class, which I've done recently in the last year. Is it any good? Yeah, yeah, it was very good. It was written by uh, Kevin Johnson from In Guardians, um, who's a who's a very smart guy, and quite, like quite a lot of the Sands instructors, very approachable. If you have a question about the material, or if you find a, a problem with the material, you know, you find a spelling mistake, or you know, there's something in there that's outdated or something. If you send them an email, they'll reply. You know, they're 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 really really t- engaged with the students students and um you know kevin's a really friendly guy and he really knows his stuff as well so and they're constantly updating i think four times a year or three or four times a year they they update their material so it's not like uh some other qualifications where well this got written in you know 2004 and we're still going to teach it you know every every couple of months it's up it's updated and the other one that i wanted to ask you about as well was um security plus as well did you do that yeah, I did it a couple of years back. Um, Security Plus from, from CompTIA, um, they do quite a lot of uh, these kind of qualifications, Network Plus, A Plus, Server Plus, things like that. That That's that's what I consider as, as entry level, um, these kind of things. Um, Security Plus is, uh, I equate it to the CISSP, but CISSP light. It's really kind of a, a more focused down version of, of the CISSP with, with less domains. Um, but it really does give you kind of the base knowledge for you to know where you want to go in security. Um, mostly because quite a lot of people still tend to think, I, I see that you know you do computer security, you know, but people don't really realize computer security isn't, isn't just one thing, you know. You could be a penetration tester, you could be an auditor, you could be a, a PCI, a quality, you, someone who works as a QSA, um, you could be an IDS expert, you could do firewall configurations, you could do server hardening, you know, you could do incident handling, there's, there's so many different facets of security, um, but one of the things that really ties them together is if you do the security plus, it really does give you a good grounding, so you really know, you, you've got a good base to, to kind of grow on from that point. And you really kind of you can focus off into to more specific areas. I mean, is there any other particular qualifications that you think people should know about on this, in in line with the ones that I've mentioned? Um, it really depends where you where you want to go with it. I mean, personally, I started off. Um, I mean, I did network and server uh, server support for ten years, um, and the first thing I wanted to do was get my Microsoft qualifications because I was so busy with work for the, for these 10 years. I never, I kind of, I was behind the grade, you know, it was like 
as Windows 2003 was coming out, I was finally finishing my Windows 2000 exams because I hadn't had a chance to do them. Um, and it finally got to the point where it was, okay, I'm just going to go and I'm going to upgrade all my Microsoft certs. And then while I was, while I was doing that, I, I really started looking at the Microsoft security stuff. And people give it a bit of a bashing, the Microsoft security stuff, because it's, it's not the best material in the world. But um, Microsoft stuff is so prevalent nowadays that, that those kind of Microsoft security classes are interesting to do, especially if you're going to be working in a Microsoft-heavy environment. Um, it's even for, I mean, I don't work as a network technician anymore, but just to be able to, to write in a report um, we found this issue, and this is because this setting in Microsoft's uh, DNS configuration is misconfigured, and it should be configured so and so and so. It, to, be, to be able to kind of add extra um, material to your reports and to be able to you know, give that added benefit of not only we found a problem, go and fix it. It's we found a problem because of this, and this is how you can fix it. And that's what what customers are really looking for is, is that helping hand with not just find, find where we have security issues, but they want to know how, we can, how they can make it better. Um, and some of the Microsoft qualifications really give you that, that level of knowledge. Well, I believe I'll have to get the pitchfork and burn you, Chris. <laughs> Sorry. Well, on the flip side, you can also get a certified engineer, which is going to do the same for Linux. Does that help? Yeah, that's more like it. <laughs> Um, Tom, I mean, is there any, I mean, what kind of, what do you think we should be looking for from graduates? What do you hope that you'll understand when you leave university from ethical hacking anyway? I, I hope I understand, and what, what I will understand will probably be two different things. Um, I hope to have, I hope to have... Um, I have good knowledge in networking. Um, I'm doing my CCNA certificate at the moment, and the, by the time I finish university, I will receive CCNA 4. Um, so hopefully I, I really want to have a, a good understanding in networking, but to say ethical hacking-wise, I think, to be fair, most of what I'm going to learn is going to be more going to be about the you know, the theoretical side than having any hands-on. I think as soon as I finish university, I think it's going to be the case of finding a job and trying to get as, you know, trying to get some certificates which back up, you know, what, I, what I've learned theoretically. I mean, what do we, I suppose we should really the, the, the touch on the self-taught side of it. Um, but I think what I'm, the question I'm going to ask is probably related to all of them. I, I'd like to get both of your opinions on it. What do you think is the bare minimum someone needs to do if they decide that the bare minimum they need to possess before they get into to ethical hacking? And I'm not talking about professional qualifications and, and, and A-levels and GCSEs and O-grades and whatever. I'm actually talking about the skill set that that individual needs if be it you know being a motivated individual or be it able to assimilate information uh, what do you think you need to have yourself before you decide that you should go for a career in ethical hacking or penetration testing uh, for me i think that the minimum someone needs to to have is the ability to to, to get themselves motivated to learn 
you know that that's for me the, the big requirement and then on top of that i think that there needs to be a commitment um and an understanding that regardless that, that you don't know it all uh, and that you'll have a lifetime of learning just to just to not be treading water basically you know to be making a step forward what do you think um tom what do you think the bare minimum a person should have for getting into ethical hacking i definitely agree with motivation but i think one of the biggest things that somebody really needs to really needs to like know and understand is that like you said that they need that it is a lifetime of learning it isn't just you learn it once and then that's it for them busting because you know news new exploits coming out um, you know something different happens every day you know some new technology arrives or some new technology is exploited be, I reckon to be a good ethical hacker to, to get into the industry you need to be interested definitely interested in what's happening in the world okay and Chris what do you what do you think no, I mean I, I agree with with Tom. I mean it's, this is this is a lifetime of learning. I mean this is why I, I moved into security in the first place is because I, I I don't like to learn one thing and then just use that for the next five years. Um, I, I wanna I wanna be learning something new every day and and security really offers that. Um, but it's kind of a double edged sword. It's really nice if you can keep up with it all, but you can't. And, and that's one thing uh, as a security professional quite a lot of people have to learn and I mean I still have to learn it as well as at some point you can't keep up with it all you know you can't it's a bit keep like up with every cats. single exactly it's it's a like, bit like... if every time every time I think I'm catching up with it all a whole load of new stuff comes out and you just can't do it all and at some point you just have to let it go and say look you know I, I can't I can't do everything there I'm just going to do what I can um, but I think one thing that that, that people who do ethical hacking and particularly penetration testing um, quite a lot of people overlook this is you really need to be able to take in information um, and understand things very very quickly um, and the, re the reason for that is because uh, in, in your typical penetration test you go to a client site they give you uh, a diagram of, of how their network looks like which is probably outdated um, and information about what all these systems do, and you, in the best case, you know they've given you maybe there's 20 servers on the network. Can you go and test these systems? And they're they're all individual, and they all do one thing. And you're okay. That's pretty easy. Not a problem. I can test your mail server because all it does is do, do mail. I can test your intranet because all it does is have one application on it. Um, but on the flip side is you go and test a large organization, a large corporate, a bank. Um, they give you a, a very, very detailed visio diagram and say, you know, this is our SAN structure, this is how our fiber channel fits together, and you have to be able to sit there and within a half an hour uh, kickoff meeting with someone, fully understand exactly how that entire infrastructure works. And that's a very, very hard thing to do. You know, especially if you've, you know, and I hate to harp on people who've come out of university, and I'm really sorry, Tom, but um, if you come out of university and the only thing you've done is learn at university, the first time someone in a large corporate dumps a A3 piece of paper on your desk with this huge, great big uh, SAN NAS environment using you know, virtualized systems on blade frames with you know 30 VLANs uh, and you know, two, three, four over connections and 
a, you know, an entire dark site at, uh, you know, across across town at the other side of town was a dark site, and you and they basically say, how can you pen test that? You know, the look on some people's faces is, oh my god, this could take me a month to understand how this works, and you have to physically be able to to take all that information in, process it, and come up with a realistic testing scenario within half an hour to an hour sometimes. And that's something that, that people really, you know, don't tend to think about very much. But I think it's a skill that, that people working in ethical hacking and penetration testing really need. Well, if Chris hasn't scared you off from getting into ethical hacking, there's lots of different routes. Um, some of the qualifications that you could speak about there, that, that we spoke about there, they're all pretty easy to find, but they will be, be available in the show notes. Um, finally, university or professional qualifications, Tom? Which one? Um, uh, professional qualifications. <laughs> university or professional qualifications, Chris? Um, yeah, as a person who didn't go to university, I'd actually say um, take your time and learn it yourself. I, I'm professional qualifications have their place, but I, I don't think I don't think the university route offers everything it should yet. I think it's getting there, but I don't think it's there yet. And I don't think professional qualifications are worth the price at the moment. I think, you know, spending a couple of months learning it yourself, you're going to learn more and you're going to learn more about yourself, which is an important thing. You're going to learn how motivated you really are because you're not sitting in a class. You have to get off your ass and do it yourself. I think that's the best way to go, at least to start with. But it's not going to look good on your CV, is it? For me, if for me, I think certainly in the UK, uh, choosing a university is probably a good entry for getting in. If if I'm honest with you, um, just because of funding and it's very hard to find businesses that will accept you and pay for your training if you have nothing to show them. So if there's no other better solution, but I I also think as well that the solution should fit there the need and maybe a mixture of some time at university doing a couple of different things and doing professional qualifications might be a better route um so but yeah i mean if you're interested speak to the university i'm sure they'll answer any of your questions uh that's all for this tech segment thank you for listening to hack republic radio hpr is sponsored by caro.net so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.